Welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast, where today's brightest minds in the medical device industry go to get their most useful and actionable insider knowledge, direct from some of the world's leading medical device experts and companies. You know, there are times at Greenlight Guru where I feel like I have the best job in the world. And today is one of those moments on the Global Medical Device Podcast. I get to talk to Allison Lee. Allison is the Director of Operations for a startup called Breathe 99. Now, Breathe 99 is an interesting story. They've developed a mask uh, to help in the current pandemic needs. And it's a great story. And it didn't start as uh, a need to, for a global pandemic. It actually started out of a necessity for somebody who was a runner and wanted a mask to help limit or uh, you know any sort of pollution as he's running in an urban environment. And so it's just kind of interesting to see the origin story of this company and how they've pivoted and, and now at a point where they're making really cool product to meet uh, really important needs. So enjoy this episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast. This is your host and founder at Greenlight Guru, John Spear. Pretty cool episode today we're going to dive into. We've got a lot of customers at Greenlight Guru that are, frankly, on the front lines of developing products and technologies to help uh, during the COVID pandemic. And today, uh, I'm really, I've got the great pleasure to talk with Allison Lee. Allison is the Director of Operations for Breathe 99. Allison, welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast. Thanks, John. Great to be here. All right. So for the folks that maybe don't know that much about Breathe 99, I guess that might be a good place to start. What is Breathe 99? Sure. In short, we're a startup company based in Minneapolis that makes a high quality face mask Yeah, that filters 97 to 99% of airborne particles. Can't say we're N95 certified yet, but those are the requirements that we've designed our mask around and something green lights helping us to get there. So that's in short what we're doing and where right. we're trying to go. All right. So I guess let's talk a little bit about the journey of Breathe 99. I mean, I don't know how long you've been with the company. I mean, you said it's a startup. I think it's probably been around for, I guess, how long has Breathe 99 been around? Well, it's the idea and the, I guess, the prototypes, the early parts of the company have been around for several years now. Our CEO, Max, first got the idea to make this high-quality respirator-style mask when he um, lived in Singapore. And he's a runner, so uh, um, he wanted to, to run, but there was often days where there was a lot of urban pollution and he um, wasn't really, wasn't sure if it was healthy to go outside, but also didn't, uh, couldn't find any kind of protection that he felt was adequate um, for someone in a in a smoggy city. So he was kind of thinking about that in the back of his head as you know he finished his degree in mechanical design, started working um, at a design firm, and kind of been working on the prototype of this mask that seals uh, completely around the mouth and the nose and features high quality breathable filters. So back before the pandemic. Um, about two years ago now, he and a couple of friends, that's really when Breathe 99 was founded, I suppose. And um, so they launched a Kickstarter for the B1 mask, um, which was targeted at people who were concerned about urban pollution and wanted to be outside or needed to be, um, for example, commuting or cycling. 
running outside. And that Kickstarter didn't quite reach its goal. And so then it kind of remained up, you know, in the back of his head. But then the pandemic started pretty soon thereafter. And all of a sudden, there was this really obvious, really urgent and uh, really serious need for high quality respiratory protection. And they had already done a lot of the work in the prototyping and, and user testing. And so that's when we launched the Kickstarter for the B2 mask back, I guess, in April of 2020. And that's also when I joined the company to help out on the filter design side. And yeah, so we throughout the summer, we had two successful Kickstarter campaigns, raised over $750,000, uh, wow. which really allowed us to to launch the company in, in full. And it's kind of more the company that we are today. Wow. I mean, 750000 on Kickstarter, that's impressive. <laughs> I mean, obviously, you know, the circumstances in the world were, were right too, but uh, my goodness, that's that's amazing. So, you know, from April till today, I mean, if you had the Kickstarter, uh, I'm guessing you've been in production. I'm guessing your your ma- masks are, are available to, to folks to be too masked. Talk a little bit about, yeah. you know, um, what you've heard or seen or, or some of, um, I guess, stories from folks that have been using your products, if you have any. Yeah, that's been honestly, that's what keeps us going. We love hearing about how people feel safer wearing our mask. It's allowed them to continue doing their job. And we hear from a lot of teachers um, a lot of people who who volunteer, who have underlying health conditions, um, who otherwise wouldn't wouldn't feel safe, you know, interacting with the public. Um, and there's surprisingly um, to us, since we're not officially certified, but we do have quite a lot of doctors who use our mask at work, and you know, they say that it's very comfortable compared to your typical the N95 respirator, which they which are not available to them, and it just allows them to continue their their job and and feel a lot safer than maybe the other alternatives that were available to them, like just a surgical mask that doesn't have the proper seal. Right. Um, yeah. yeah I, I've I've worked uh, I guess sort of uh, tangentially with a couple of initiatives, you know, slightly different uh, products, but but also um, you know those that are like pursuing you know the EUA with FDA, and then also exploring N95 with um, uh, hang on, I forgot the organization. Um, With NIOSH. NIOSH. I was like, yeah, it's yeah, on the yeah. tip of my tongue. I just, it, it's a lot of acronyms in our industry. It totally is, but um, but the whole NIOSH thing is is it's a completely different path and process from dealing with the FDA. I guess I'm curious, is that something that still uh, is on the, the horizon or something that you're still pursuing at Breed99? Yeah, it's, it's definitely something we're planning for. Um, and I'd say NIOSH is probably even the more relevant one for us um, to be able to call ourselves a respirator and N95 respirator. Um, you know, none of us, we, we're a team of six people. Um, two of us have engineering backgrounds um, and kind of medical adjacent um, experience, but none of us have gone through a regulatory approval of a product before. So I'd say in the beginning, um, we were maybe a bit optimistic about how straightforward um, the process might be. But definitely, as we've been documenting our user needs more and exploring what what all of the detailed testing and requirements would be, we've realized it is quite a longer, longer term path that now we've been able to plan 
properly for and realistically for. So definitely on the horizon, you know, that, that stamp of approval from NIOSH and, and from the FDA um, is, is really, really important for, um, for people to trust our product, to enter certain medical, you know, networks. So, so definitely, but at the same time, we know that right now, even without it, there's a lot of people who can really greatly benefit from our mask. And actually what we've done in, in lieu of, you know, knowing that we're not going to get the NIOSH certification, that we weren't going to get it back in 2020 um, in the summer, we, we have done independent testing with the University of Minnesota. And we've published those results in a white paper so that at the very least, if someone is more scientifically minded and kind of familiar with regulations, they can go look up that white paper and, you know, make a call for themselves if they feel comfortable using our product. Sure. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Folks, I want to remind you, I'm talking with Allison Lee. Allison is the director of operations for Breathe 99, and you can learn a ton more about their product by going to Breathe 99. And then 99 is 99, the number.com. So B-R-E-A-T-H-E 99.com. And man, you have, the website is super informative. There's uh, you know, some blog posts. There's ways to learn more about the product and fit and all that sort of thing. So really uh, encourage you all to check that out. I also wanted to start talking a little bit, Allison, about your Greenlight experience. And I guess before we do, do so, I want to remind folks that Greenlight Guru, we're here to help, whether you're developing a product to help with the pandemic or another medical device uh, uh, for other purposes, we're here. And I would encourage you to, to go to www.greenlight.guru to learn more about the medical device quality management system software platform, the only one in the market today designed specifically and only for the medical device industry by actual medical device professionals. So if you're interested in learning more about how our workflows and our team and our products and services can help you streamline your practices and you know, ensure compliance along the way, then again, I would encourage you to go to www.greylight.guru to learn more. All right. So Alice, you talked a little bit about you know being a small team a couple with um, some engineering backgrounds or, or adjacent types of disciplines. How many of you have been through the medical device process before? So none of us have worked directly on a product that's gone through medical device certification, but um, Max, our CEO, worked at a mechanical design firm for many years um, that worked on some medical products. So he's been around that process and myself, um, the other engineer um, in a previous life, I worked at a, a startup that was part of the electronic signature process for manufacturing regulated devices cool. in, in pharmaceuticals. So I became pretty familiar with um, the, the electronic signature regulation and the fact that, you know, the regulatory um, environment but none of us have gone through it directly with the product that we've created. So All right. it's been a learning well, process. <laughs> well, for sure. And, and uh, I'm glad uh, that you, you're going through this. Um, I guess what I'm curious a little bit about and is if you can share some of your experiences on how Greenlight has been a, a resource for you and the team during your journey uh, to bring the B2 mask to market. Sure. Yeah, we really appreciate the all of the resources that Greenlight has 
available online, um, especially breaking down all the contents of the design history file. Um, we're still kind of defining our, our user needs and all the design inputs and just seeing the full picture of how that's going to come together and being able to plan for what needs to link to what. And it's it's just helped us lay things out because, you know, that it's so complicated and there's many ways you that one might go about documenting all these things. But the fact that um, just being able to link things and not getting lost in, in folders upon folders upon folders, that, that peace of mind has been really great for oh, us. Sure. And, you know, it's yeah. allowed us to go step by step at the pace we need. Good. What have you found to be, I guess, most challenging in, in navigating the, the overall design and development process? I think the, the fact that most of our teammates have not worked on a regulatory product, there's a lot of checks and balances that if you're not a medical device, that you don't have to take into account, um, like the change order process, for example, just, you know, there's, you have to train people on the change order process, but you also have to first kind of teach them why it needs to exist. It seems very bureaucratic uh, and kind of, you know, it takes a lot of time, but so that's been a, you know, you have to learn, learn why you're learning it almost. So it's another layer to kind of introduce our team yeah. and change their frame of mind. Yeah. I mean, I, I hear this often from startups is, you know, when it's, when you're new to med device, I mean, it, it feels like, and, and I, I know you didn't exactly say this, but sometimes a little more burdensome than it needs to be. And, and, but at the same time, I mean, I, I have to imagine that the team very much understands the mission of Breathe 99 and, and the purpose of your products. And so I, I would imagine that, you know, understanding the importance of a product being designed appropriately and safe and effective, that that's been, you know, helps connect the dots, so to speak. I guess, you know, what do you think if, you know, if you were um, giving advice to to another startup who is, you know, thinking about pursuing their medical device journey, do you have any tips or pointers for them? I guess just find out as early as you can everything it's going to take. Start plotting out your your user needs. And if you don't already know your your users and their environment intimately as as soon as you can you know go and talk to real people and find out uh, just the entire scope of how your product is going to be used because um you know for us we're we're a mask so it's obvious to think about the person wearing the mask and but when you when that person is a doctor or a nurse in a hospital and they're wearing that mask that has been given to them by their employer, there's all of these other factors to consider. Um, you know, who makes these purchasing decisions in the hospital? Who, who decides and who distributes and trains their employees? Um, if there's a reusable portion of a product of our, our mask, there's a fabric part and then a, um, a flexible plastic part how would, how might that get cleaned? Um, what what are laundering processes in the hospital environment? So there's a lot of just be aware of of your scope, um, and you can really only do that by talking to people as soon as possible before you, I guess, make an a make an assumption. We we definitely thought that the regulatory process would be a lot faster. You know, maybe maybe six months or something, we'll just, we'll complete the paperwork, you know, um, not having done it before. And I think the more we kind of peeled the layers 
of the onion, so to speak, um, we realized there was a lot more to discover before we could go ahead and even apply. Yeah, there's a couple of things I want to, I guess, dive a little deeper in on on that last little bit that you shared. Let's first talk about the user needs side of things. I think that's really important, and I think it's uh, a great tip for those listening. I think a lot of times we maybe don't give the user needs the time, effort, and energy that they deserve. But I have to imagine with your product, I mean, you said that the founder, his first inspiration was... Uh, to have a mask in a, a you know urban po- uh, polluted environment, so he could go running. But then you, you had a pivot with uh, COVID uh, to to build a different kind of mask. Were the user needs the same? Were they different? Uh, how, how did that all go? Yeah. So I mean, th- and this is where you really have to talk to your users because I mean the, the functional needs are basically the same. You need the seal and the filters have to perform you know, a certain size particle to a certain percentage, but the way people are thinking about this product and the degree to which they they need it to be, they need to feel the seal is a hundred percent, and they need to understand and you know emotionally feel like it's protecting them, um, even though not all of our users are like science or engineer type people. And there's just in the context of the pandemic, the the context in which they're using our product, there's just mask overload in the media. And it's really hard for someone who's never thought about masks or respiratory protection to figure out what they need. And there's just and there's a lot of misinformation as well and conflicting advice. So we we have to take that into account as well uh, when thinking about our users in the context of a pandemic is that there's all these heightened emotions and that's all part of their experience. And, you know, when someone that that could affect, for example, the degree to which they read our instructions, you know, how frustrated or not they may become if they don't understand how to assemble a certain part of our mask. And, and even in the customer support process, you know, just feeling confident in our company makes someone feel confident when they're wearing our mask. And so there's that this whole other layer during the pandemic that's yeah, that, that's very, very different than just selling something that will protect you while you cycle to work. The other thing I want to explore a little bit is is the um, the dis- your discovery about the regulatory process maybe being a little longer than uh, and more tortuous and challenging than maybe you first thought. Um, and, and I think that's a, a common thing. I mean, I uh, over my career, I've worked with inventors and entrepreneurs and a lot of times at the beginning of that that journey with them, they'll you know they already have a, a prototype that's pretty far along, and you know, granted, they may not always have design controls uh, documented or the risk and that sort of thing, but the, the product essentially works or is pretty close to being a production version, if you will. Uh, and then you know, I, I have been the bearer of bad news from time to time. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, this is a you know class two device is going to require this submission and that sort of thing. And, and it's going to take another, you know, six, nine, 12 months before we get there. And that could be a little frustrating. Uh, so I, I guess talk a little bit about that once you, the team discovered that, oh, wow, this, this regulatory side of thing is a little bit more complicated than, and lengthy than we thought. I got to imagine that that could have been a little discouraging. So talk a little bit about that roller coaster. Yeah, it, it is, I guess, a little bit <laughs> discouraging at first. And mo- most of all, it, it's hard to message to our 
our followers, our customers, especially our crowdfunding backers who also don't come from a med device background. Um, you might think it's as straightforward as, well, how much, you know, how much does it cost and how long does it take them to process your application? Um, and to explain why we we actually need to do more work in the design stage and possibly do some redesigns before submitting our product, a medical version of our product. It's without getting into too much detail, it's it's hard to kind of justify why we're we're seen to be taking so long. But on the flip side, we we have because of the pandemic and and in talking to our users, there are a lot of of really um, really great use cases for our mask that don't require um, the NIOSH approval. So we've been able to um, find plenty of, of good uses for our mask in the meantime. And um, yeah, while we do the proper diligence and kind of reset our expectations and sure. on that, yeah. Breathe 99, did you go the EUA route? No, so in the end... And I, I oh, guess let me clarify for folks, EUA stands for Emergency Use Authorization. It's a, a, um, a provision uh, that that is, you know, part of FDA uh, for times of need, like we're in right now from a, a pandemic perspective. And it just is a, it's a, a different path uh, to get some level of regulatory approval for, for uh, products that meet the, the global need. So anyway, um, I, I interrupted for you, sure. but... Um, why was EUA not necessarily a path that made sense? Um, yeah, so this is again from from all the feedback we got from our crowdfunding backers who are the first users to get our mask. There's a, there's a few foundational things that we want to change about our mask before we we put it forward as as the med version. Um, the big thing is sizing. That um, we we noted that our mask is it was designed as a one size fits most mask. And we've found that it fits typically people whose faces are on the smaller side or who are tolerant of it. It's quite a compact mask, which is part of the design. Um, that it's not this huge thing on your face, but also, but some people do have a preference for, for it feeling a mask that feels very roomy and large. So we, we would like to do a bit more work and research on the sizing before um, submitting for any kind of regulatory uh, approval, even in EUA, um, just so that we it can fit a wide enough portion of the population. And in doing that, we're also realizing just how difficult a challenge it is to fit around the nose, the nose and mouth area of the human face and just how varied the geometries are between people. We're working with uh, this lab at the University of Minnesota called the Human Dimensioning Lab, and that's that's pretty much what they said: is this is of all of the the human dimension problems to solve for things that are worn by humans, wearing something on your face that needs to seal around the nose area is the number one uh, challenge. So for sure, that's why we're we want to yeah we we want to take our time and and do it properly and offer something that'll. That'll fit a wide range of people. Yeah, so you're just being very deliberate about about the entire process. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. All right. Well, Allison, as we wrap up our conversation today, any other tips, pointers, uh, message that you want the listeners to hear before we call today's episode a wrap? 
Yeah, I guess we're, you know, we're, we're optimistic now that we've we've noticed lately in the last couple of weeks, there's been a renewed media attention on the need to wear a mask. And um, I, I guess the current advice seems to be double masking, but I, I think that's going to, we're trying to push the conversation further in that just wearing two masks not necessarily, is not necessarily better or it's not better by a lot. And there's there's been a huge call for for better for a mask that actually is is better, um, and we think we're working towards that, and we understand what those requirements are. So we're looking forward to to talking to policymakers. We're we're looking for investment in our company to help us go forward with design changes and and regulatory um, approval. So. Uh, yeah, we, we've, we're optimistic about how this year is going to go and develop because we feel like we're kind of reaching a turning point in the public understanding and awareness of of masks and regulatory protections. So we we look forward to being leaders in that space and to um, yeah to to being part of the solution and to hopefully end this pandemic sooner rather than later. Okay, and Alice, and if folks uh, want to help. Uh, Breathe 99 or learn more about your venture and your products and, and your path. Um, how do you suggest they get a hold of you? Do they just go to the Breathe 99 website and fill out a contact form or is there some other way that, that makes more sense? Yeah, you can always email us hello at Breathe 99. Um, and actually, if you're listening to this podcast, you can just email me, um, Allison, A-L-I-S-O-N, at breathe99.com. Or, you know, we're on social media, too. You can tweet at us, um, follow us on Instagram. Um, yeah, it's not too hard to get in touch with us. All right, folks. If uh, Exciting company and uh, really cool product. And I, I mean, this is a compliment. It's a very simple design. And I think that's what's important about a lot of products these days is simple oftentimes does mean better because to some of the things that Allison shared with us a little bit earlier, sometimes you get into to certain product spaces or, you know, certain environments or circumstances and situations and, you know, maybe stress levels are high and, or people are frustrated about, you know, other things. So, you know, if they can instantly see your product and understand how it works and it's just intuitive, it's just going to be a better design. So take that to heart. I want to thank Allison Definitely. Lee. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I want to thank Allison Lee. Allison is the director of operations for Breathe 99. Again, check it out, breathe99.com to learn a whole bunch more about their products. It's really cool. Uh, and again, thank you all so much for being loyal listeners of the Global Medical Device Podcast, the number one podcast in the medical device industry today. Continue to share this with your friends and colleagues. And uh, of course, if you're so compelled, I would also encourage you to go to www.greenlight.guru to learn again about the medical device quality management system software platform that uh, we have uh, had in the market uh, for, man, it's been I think six years now, so crazy times, but uh, we're working with companies like Breathe 99 and others all over the world who are making a difference and improving the quality of life. So again, go check that out. As always, this is your host and founder at Greenlight Guru, John Spear, and you have been listening to the Global Medical Device Podcast. <laughs>